Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. I'm Connor Swalm, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, CEO of Finn, and I am joined by a repeat guest. Right? You've been on before? I think I was like episode two or three. Yeah. One of the inaugural episodes. The wonderful Kyle Christensen. Kyle, how are you? Man, did he, a little bit of imposter syndrome. I can't believe I'm sitting here with the great Connor Swam. And for those of you that don't know this, Connor is the smartest human being you will ever meet. Kyle is the smartest person I've ever met as well. And if we tell enough people those things, they'll both be true at some point. That's how it works. Well, that's that's the whole basis of the secret, right? The most truthful book you've ever read. Yeah. Just wish it into existence. If there's at least a smidge of truth, then it then the truth gradually envelops all the lies and nobody can tell the difference. Completely. Right? Exactly. For folks who don't know you, do you want to explain a little bit? I know that your job has changed. The company you work with has changed since the last time you've been on. So do you want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, totally. So um, high level, I've been in the channel about 18, 19 years. I started with Best Buy Corporate from a little company called Geek Squad, rolling that out to 1,200 locations. I kind of got thrown in the deep into real scalability and technology and IT services. But whatever you think of Geek Squad, 1,200 locations in a year or two, is that was rough. Um, from there, we bought an MSP, which introduced me to the MSP world around 2011, which uh, quickly turned into me running an MSP. Uh, I did two MSP turnarounds from 2012 to about 2018, which then I started a pretty large MSP consulting firm where we serviced over 1,500 MSPs with their PSA, bookkeeping, RMM, all that good stuff. Uh, I exited in 2022, which led into uh, what I'm now doing with two amazing co-founders, Wes Spencer, the cybersecurity expert, and Alex Farling, the guy that's basically written the book on VCIO and QBRs, where we're creating an MSP platform called Empath. We actually go live in a week uh, where we are looking to upskill and become your MSP in terms of the talent factory. Because one thing I've discovered in fast growth MSPs in all of my years is your single largest bottleneck is not sales and marketing. It's actually recruitment and training. Because what happens the second you get that new client in the door, everyone raises their hand going, oh my God, don't let that client in the door delay their onboarding because we don't have the team to service them. So how do we get the kid from Starbucks to fully accountable as fast as possible to help your MSP grow in high quality? That is interesting. I rem- um, I tell a bunch of uh, MSPs, because I, I talk with them all the time, they have glaring the obvious issues with their culture. The reason I mentioned that is because that leads straight into lack of retention. And I have yet to find a single MSP that I've had the pleasure of having a conversation with. And I've talked with hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands at this point. Not a single one has said, yeah, we recruit well and we retain well. And I think that's very telling. uh, Well, the, the whole thing with recruitment, right, is you're looking for a unicorn because you don't have the ability to train them on the right things at the right time. And it became this kind of like almost my magnet opus like like they're almost like this is like my swan song a little bit in the sense that for an msp to truly be scalable and sustainable 
yeah, you have to recognize your team is eventually going to walk out the door because we're college football teams. We're, we can't pay like Microsoft. We can't pay like Oracle. We can't pay like these big guys. And nor should we be that desperate ex-boyfriend to use a fun analogy and say, oh my God, don't leave me, right? We should congratulate them that we got them to the next stage in their career and have the next guy on deck or girl on deck to take on that next adventure of the tier one, two, three, even being the owner of your MSP, which we can get into later. But a lot of us don't get into succession planning and sell our MSPs because we haven't trained anybody to man the home. So this training, training for leveling up, it exists at all levels, including the level we're going to talk about today, which is executives and executive coaching. I'm the recipient of executive coaching. When I started, uh, I remember very vividly when I wrote the first check to my first executive coach three years ago, two years ago, one, one of the above, uh, I got this huge pit in my stomach. I was like, I just wasted all my money. It was an incredible amount of money for me at the time. It, you know, Looking back at the scope of things, it wasn't a ton of money, but to me, it was everything. And I was like, I've just wasted everything. And then as we started going through it and we did like years in review, it's like, oh, wow. It's like I made all of these difficult decisions with the counsel of my executive coach and in the space that we held regularly every week or every other week, which was, you know, you don't realize that it happened that way until you look back and realize it happened that way, which is really interesting. But for those who don't know, I mean, you have a ton of experience, not only being coached, but also coaching. What is executive coaching? Ooh, like what is executive coaching? High level? It's... <sighs> Man, I mean, what is it? That's a fantastic question. And I hate that I stumble on it. Like you I said, gives me. You said ahead. it before we started. You said what I think the answer really should be. It's someone to hold you accountable. <laughs> the way you and, said and it I, was uh, someone who professionally puts a boot in your ass. That was someone that, yeah. And I guess it's kind of fitting to break this out at this point. Um, when I started executive coaching in about 2016, I, I jumped on board this thing called the Entrepreneur Operating System because I wanted some type of framework because I had coached MSPs without realizing I was coaching them. And it gave me some cool tools. But what I found was in 2017, one of my clients called me their chief accountable accountability officer. And I kind of laughed a little bit. And what I recognized was it. a lot of us have the answers. A lot of us have the drive. A lot of us have the ideas. But what got us to start an MSP or a business of any size or type are actually the qualities and traits that end up crippling our business. And to elaborate a little bit on that, right? what is an entrepreneur? What is the accidental entrepreneur in many of us, which is the, I'm a practitioner, I have a skill set, and I want to share that craft with the world. Well, that means two direct things. Yeah, that, that basically means we were great at something and we were unemployable. We, we said, I don't want a boss anymore, so I'm just going to go do things where I can make my own decisions. However, at some point, your business transitions from a consultant's perspective to an actual business, either a service model, a SaaS model, whatever you do, right? For many of us MSPs, it's IT work. Well, we now have a team of people, and I can't just make decisions and chase after shiny objects because it's the discipline and strategies that we have that will get us to the next level. And I need to be accountable to the strategy rather than my own gut and intuition. And I don't know if you experienced that at all, Connor, but a lot of executive coaching is, well, let's establish a goal. And then every single morning, I'm going to ask you, did you wake up? Did you follow your plan? Did you follow your plan? 
Did you follow your plan? And when you give me an excuse, I'm just going to ask that magic question of why didn't you follow your plan? Yeah. Um, that's kind of been my experience. Most of most people who are in positions of leadership, most executives, right? And this doesn't, you don't need a C in front of your title in order to receive executive coaching. This is exactly along the lines of what Kyle just said. In, in my mind, it's not about teaching you to be a C-suite. It's teaching you to create a strategy and follow it and focus. And that last part, focus. Even if you think you're focused on your goal, you will be shocked when somebody who is good at coaching asks prying questions how unfocused you feel you are. It's like, I, I can remember vividly being in coaching sessions and it's like, all right, well, last week, let's open up the notes. You told me you're going to do this and this and this. Did you do any of that? It's like, well, no, because I did these things. It's like, don't tell me what you did. Did you do these things? It's like, no, I, I, I didn't. It's like, well, they must have not been important. But, well, they're actually really important. It's like, I remember this whole dialogue of beginning to realize it's like, wait a second. It's like, why did I set those? Why did I need to do those things? And then you go back. Some of them, it turns out, like, all right, I should do those. And others, it's like, no, I should have done that. I don't know why I said that to begin with. It's like you begin to very quickly learn how to prioritize. So you can only really do one or two things at a time. Um, well, it's the old adage of 20 or 80% of your effectiveness comes from 20% of your tasks. That's a very common do this next type of mentality. And it's very hard at the same time to see yourself work or hear yourself speak. So there's an accountability, right? If we look at the greats, like, right, even in like a, and I hate, I know people hate the sports metaphor, but Tiger Woods had a coach, Muhammad Ali had a coach, right? Tom Brady had a coach. And if you go into Fortune 500s, Fortune 10s, Fortune 50s, a lot of those executives still have coaches. Now, why is that? Well, there is a level to where someone needs to hold you accountable to who you are. And when you have it be someone on your team, it, there's a lot, there's so much at play that it comes different when it's someone that's outside of that system. For example, one of the things I commonly do is I'll hop in the executive board meetings with my clients and I will just be on mute and I just listen. And it's that I'm watching you on game day. I'm watching you in front of your team. And when you speak out a line or you, you, you control the conversation, which is so easy for an entrepreneur to do because we just want to talk, 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 talk that you can now give direct objective feedback to, hey, you told me that you wanted your team to manage the company. You told me that you wanted to delegate these responsibilities. You told me that you wanted to macromanage and build a culture where people can make mistakes, but you're not acting like it. And it's a little bit different than the, uh, the it's more of the, the soft skills that you become accountable to, which is something that a lot of us don't work on nearly enough. Uh, soft skills are definitely lacking uh, from a lot of folks, even if it's just learning how to listen instead of just waiting to respond. It takes a lot of time. One thing that I do with my my clients all the time, and at this point, I, I'm I'm privileged to have coached over 100 MSPs. I just crossed my 500 uh, quarterly board meeting, actually, um, where I make them on a piece of paper, write W-A-I-T. On every single, right? and I, or I'll put it on a sticky note right in front of them as I facilitate, because I'll facilitate so that they can participate. And what that means is, why am I talking? Because I want them to get into that perspective that, yes, you can say everything. However, your team's probably thinking the same thing. And if you wait long enough, they'll probably say the thing that you're thinking. But there's a power that comes from them saying it and it being their idea 
versus you saying it and being your idea. Ownership of the idea is not, it has, you have nothing to win by that. You have everything to win by your team being motivated to the goals of your organization as long as you have established those goals. So I guess that second part to your initial question of what is executive coaching, beyond just being accountable to the goal, it's actually creating that goal. Because nine times out of 10, what I find is there is no goal really established other than fuck around and find out. Yeah, I remember. I remember one executive coaching session, me me and Josh, my co-founder, we went through, it's like, all right, what should our quarterly goals be? And then we just like rattled off like 20 things. And my coach stops the session. He's like, how many employees do you guys have? I was like, uh, like 27. He goes, you're telling me you have damn near a goal per employee every quarter. And I was like, stopped. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, that's, that's not right. That can't be it. It's like, I think we just have no idea what we should be focusing on. He goes, I'm glad you arrived at that conclusion too. I was just like, all right, Josh and I need to go talk, like whatever. We'll, we'll come back to the next session and we'll actually have no more than three things that we're going to focus on for the entirety of this quarter. We came back with those three things. And I was like, I have, like, if you tell me something else belongs on this list, I'm going to tell you to screw off because I, like, we can't live without these three things and nothing else made the cut. And our, well, and that's tough, right? Because when everything is important, nothing is important. However, in that same aspect, you need to learn that you will drown your team quicker than you pull them out of the water because we see things as everything being priority, which in some cases they are, right? Like if you're a startup or, your business at the bottom line is really starting to deplete. Yes, there are things that are important that have to be done. However, we need to always make sure we're prioritizing those things as much as it pains us to do, because yes, we have to put one foot in front of the other. And this is where I love agile type frameworks. I always got upset with the quarterly idea and structuring them into calendars and acting like we have to confine ourselves to calendars was, well, if we have priorities that are longer than 90 days or more than we can do in 90 days, you just need to stagger things to where when one gets done, then you start the next one. And so often for anyone listening, good tip is kind of have an idea of what next quarters are going to like. So if I'm in this quarter and we say, okay, January through March, here's our goals. Have an idea of what the most primary goals will be for the following quarter. So that if everyone does end early, yeah, get started on the next thing. You don't have to wait for a quarterly meeting to establish rocks or goals or right, if we're going to use the Stephen Covey term of rocks. And just start the next one, right? And I I challenge a lot of my clients to take your entire year's worth of rocks right up front so we have a fresh perspective and we don't suffer from what psychology would call the recency effect, where what becomes priority this quarter is the thing that bit me in the ass last week. However, the thing that bit me in the last last week probably isn't priority. It's just it's just recent in my brain. When you come to a meeting in a quarterly board meeting, go, what's important? We're just going to talk about what's last week because I can't remember what our initiatives were in January. Yeah, it's it's why it's usually really helpful to uh, not necessarily um, pick goals because they fit into a quarterly fashion, right? Those are just a, a fabrication of reality. Like those aren't, that's not the passage of time. Quarters only exist because we decided they should. And so one thing we've started doing is pick a goal. It's like, we need to be here at the end of the year. We need to accomplish X. It's like, there's no way to do that in a single quarter. But if we did, like if we could, it's like, oh my goodness, we're, we're so successful. But then you just break it down into chunks. It's like, uh, this is probably reasonable to get done in, in three months. All right. That's the first quarter of the goal that we're going to set for the company overall. 
Well, and that's having a shared goal. I think that's the other thing is so often I see these uh, vertically focused or business unit focused initiatives that have no, not a single component that adds to the objective of the business. For example, I'll see these MSPs saying, hey, we need to improve our bottom line as a business objective. But then I'll see them go spend a bunch of money on operational maturity and that they'll invest money into it. And next thing you know, I'm like sitting there going, wait, you spent a bunch of money on something that won't help the bottom line because why? And they go, well, I read on some internet website that I should focus on. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. I I totally agree. 1% improvement in service delivery is something that you should eventually work on. But isn't the company goal to hit 12% net profit this year and you were at 8% net profit last year? Yeah. That conversation is important. Like you mentioned, it's a prioritization problem sometimes. Usually is. Um, now, the, being, that being said, being focused on that large overhead goal, I think a lot of us are afraid of financial outcomes. And I say, I, I say that very generalistically, and I know that might be tough, but some entrepreneurs, because we start as consultants, we don't think about the financial returns of our business as a goal mark. And I can tell you right now, having been a part one, the MSP that I grew very fast, as well as coaching some MSPs that have done something like 10 million organic growth in a single year. If you don't have those financial goals, then you have no way of actually reverse engineering. Like you mentioned, those quarterly uh, road markers to say, are we on track or off track? Right. And then all those people have to distill down what that actually means. Sure. For uh, you could give everyone listening and watching one more piece of advice or one last thing, what would you suggest that be? Ooh. One last piece of advice. Don't be afraid to run your business by the numbers. Uh, uh, As MSPs, I've done so many uh, financial planning and analysis exercises at this point. I've looked at so many P&Ls. We lose concentration of the profit of our product being service delivery. And that drives us to making incorrect decisions and your team making incorrect decisions because they don't understand that as a service provider, we provide a service and that service needs to have minimum margins for us to grow. So beyond everything else, we need to keep in mind our product margin matters. Product margin matters. For folks who wanted to connect with you uh, or Empath, where would you suggest they go do that? At two great places, uh, obvious. Uh, one of the big things, big fan of LinkedIn. I don't shut up on that thing. So LinkedIn.com, I'm, uh, Kyle CHX, I think is my profile handle. And then EmpathMSP.com to go see the education stuff that we're bringing to the community. Awesome. For folks listening or watching, we'll have links to all of that. Feel free to connect with Kyle and Empath and ask challenging questions. I'm sure he would love that. Kyle, thanks awesome. for being here. Thank you, man. It was a blast having you all. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.